Well, hey, what is going down, everybody? Welcome to another brand new Am I on the Air Quick Bites episode. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us for the first time, our regular podcast is Am I on the Air. It airs weekly, and we talk about all entertainment news that has happened in the last, you know, seven to eight days. What a quick bite is, that's what you would think it is. It's a small chunk. It's a little piece of information. It's a quick bite of information, which allows me, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so to come with you guys and break some stuff down before I get to the next episode. So I am here today to do a couple different things. Number one, non-spoiler, talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. About halfway through this episode, I will warn you, and then I'm going to switch to a very loose spoiler review. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it because we do have a big spoiler episode planned for this movie, uh, as we always do on Am I Still on the Air? Uh, myself, Friggins, Peeps, we get together and we break these Marvel movies down. We do our big updated countdowns, and it's a fun time whenever we get together for Marvel. So that episode's going to be coming next week. So I don't want to get into too much. I just want to loosely uh, talk about some stuff. Um, but I'll get to that in the second half. I don't want to chase anybody off in the first portion of it. Now, typically, I just do non-spoiler reviews on the main show. But for those of you paying attention, there was new, no new episode of Am I on the Air this week. And that is because I am traveling for work. Uh, I'm actually in Houston, Texas right now. I'm usually out of Tucson, Arizona, but I'm in Houston, Texas right now for work all week. So I've had no time to record. Super, super busy. I came straight to Houston from Las Vegas, so it's been super hectic. But I didn't want to wait a whole week to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp because there's been a lot going down about this movie <laughs> and I really wanted to come with you guys and just kind of chat it up real quick. So let's get into it. You know, this is the third Ant-Man movie. This is the 31st Marvel movie in the MCU. 31. Yes. Can you believe it? There's been 31 films in the MCU. This is the first movie of phase five. So for those of you that don't know, or that term, you, you may, might be wondering, you know, I hear that term a lot, but I don't really get what it is. Marvel does movies in phases. So phase four ended uh, theatrically with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and then on the Disney Plus side with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Phase five is kicking off right here with this movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which if you listen to our um, top 10 most anticipated episode, the movie was my number three of most anticipated movies of 2023. Number three, that's pretty damn high. Um, and so I've been very excited to see this, obviously. Um, big Marvel fan. I love the Ant-Man movies. I actually, uh, out of the 31 films, uh, they are back-to-back -back for me. I have Ant-Man and the Wasp at, at number 19. And I have the original Ant-Man movie at number 20. They're side-by-side. They're both five-star movies to me. I love them, right? You got um, Paul Rudd. You got Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, you know, and it's just a great cast, great humor, um, fun, fun stories. Then with this one, you know, we started to hear 
that they were going to go pretty big with this one, right? That it's the kickoff to Phase 5. Peyton Reed, the director of the first two Ant-Man movies, coming back, saying that he really wanted to make a big movie for Ant-Man, that he was tired of it always being the quote-unquote palate cleanser to the MCU, right? Like, um, Ant-Man always kind of came after an Avengers movie or after a really big tentpole thing, and then it's like, oh, then here's your after-dinner mint with Ant-Man, right? Um, So he wanted to go bigger. He wanted to go bolder. And that's where we got Quantumania, right? A very sci-fi movie, but also introducing Kang the Conqueror, which was something new. You know, we were teased about Kang at the end of Loki season one on Disney Plus, played by Jonathan Majors. He played He Who uh, He Who Remains or whatever. After you get the terminology at the time, um, but you know, he was a variant of Kang. And in the timeline split, they explain that Kang is going to come do his thing, right? And that's where this story kind of takes us. Um, If you've seen in the trailer and you're like, man, this looks like most of the movie takes place in the quantum realm, even from a non-spoiler perspective, this movie takes place pretty much all in the quantum realm. Uh, You are only on Earth for maybe less than 10 minutes, probably five minutes. Uh, And most of what you've seen in the trailer of him on earth is what you get. And we go right into the quantum realm and you've seen it in the trailer, his daughter, Cassie, who is now played by Catherine Newton. Um, she creates a little portal, um, to kind of send a signal to the quantum realm. She's studying the quantum realm and, um, Michael Douglas's Hank Pym is helping her out. Um, and then as they're kind of playing with this new device, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Jenna Van Dyne, she is like, you're sending a signal to the quantum realm, you need to stop it right now. But before she could stop it, of course, the quantum realm opens up, they get sucked in, and they are in a void of the quantum realm that's a lot different than anything we've seen in the past. And um, the story kind of goes from there, right? Um, They're there, they're trying to get home. And then you have all of this civilization that has been there, um, and they've been dictated by Kang the Conqueror. Um, and what I'll say without getting into spoilers is I I really enjoyed this film. Now, is it a top-tier Marvel film? No. Is it my favorite Ant-Man film? No. Um, but did I have a good time with it? Yes. You know, and I don't know why... I feel lately that we are just not allowed to have fun with movies anymore, right? It has to be the greatest thing ever, or it absolutely sucks. And that's what I feel like with this movie, because for those of you that follow Rotten Tomatoes, there's been a lot of news going around about how this movie is the lowest rated movie tied with Eternals. So at first it was like, oh, it's the second lowest rated movie next to Eternals, and now it's sitting at the exact same percentage as Eternals at about 47%. So it's technically rotten on Rotten Tomatoes at 47%, um, and it's the you know second lowest rated film in the MCU. But more, what a lot of people aren't pointing out is that Rotten Tomatoes has two scores. They have your critics, and they have your audience rating. And what's funny is the audience rating is bigger. Right? I mean, when they do the critics, it's like less than 100 people. 
when they do the audience rating, you're talking about thousands. And I believe this movie has over 5,000 audience ratings. And this movie sits at 85% on an audience side. 85% is really solid. So there is a big disconnect here of 85% fan and 47% critic. I don't know what the critics were looking for in this movie. And I've seen people that were really big fans of the other two Ant-Man movies come out of this one and say, eh, it just wasn't for me. I didn't care for it very much. I, you know, spent a lot of time on Twitter and I'm looking at the reviews that are coming in and it's crazy the amount of people that have said, you know, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. This is the worst Marvel movies ever done. You know, just bad, 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 bad. But then on the flip side, you're scrolling through and you see people be like, I don't get the hate. The movie was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, when I saw this movie, I saw it with our boy Geeky Pat. And Geeky Pat said this was his favorite movie of the Ant-Man trilogy. You know, so some people really love it and some people despise it. And I've already seen our boy Friggins. I think he had posted uh, three and a half stars out of five. And he said he might even change it to three. Um, you know, three still a good score. Three out of five is good. Um, and I think, you know, um, I've seen a lot of people kind of in that middle ground as well, too. I'm anxious to really get into this conversation on our bigger spoiler review of uh, what really brought it down for people. Because I thought everybody did an excellent job. I think Paul Rudd as Scott Lang is incredible, and I thought he did an amazing job here, really, um, really being his most. Oh man, um, just being Ant Man, you know. Like I felt like he was the most confident he's ever been as Ant Man. Uh, Evangeline Lilly, she kind of takes a step back in this movie compared to the second one, uh, but she's awesome as Hope, and she's also stepped into her own right when she is ready to fight, she puts on the suit, and she's ready to rock, and it's great. Uh, Michael Douglas gets the shine in this one. Michelle Pfeiffer, amazing in this movie. They, I'm so It's so cool to see them give her such a bigger role, right? Because, you know, she wasn't in the first movie. The second movie is about getting her back, and then we only have a snippet of her, really. And you see her kind of here or there. Um, but she was amazing in this. And getting to... Um, find out more about the quantum realm and, and what has happened down there during the time she was lost was really cool. Jonathan Majors, like I said, the standout, right? I think there's one thing that everybody can agree on uh, over and above everything is that even the people that hated the movie said Jonathan Majors is amazing as Kang the Conqueror. And obviously he's going to be the big bad kind of going forward. The next Avengers movie is the Kang Dynasty. And you can, um, you know, see that we're heading towards that direction. Catherine Newton coming in and playing the new Kathy, I thought she did a really great job as well. She didn't have much to do in this movie. Um, I mean, she does, but she doesn't at the same time. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But I thought she was really, really good. Uh, and Bill Murray, of course, pops up, you know, in a little role. William Jackson Harper pops up in a little role, and he's great. Um, David Desmachian, who, of course, was you know, one of the main characters in the first two movies that worked with Paul Rudd. Um, he's back in this movie, but you'll never recognize him because he plays a CGI character named Veb, um, who's actually a really cool standout character. My daughter loved Veb. Uh, I know you'll see that Randall Park is back in this movie. Uh, it's a blink and you'll miss it scene. So um, I was kind of worried about that. and That's exactly what it was. Uh, but at least he showed up, right? 
Um, and, and it goes on and on from there. But I thought everybody did an amazing job. And um, it is very sci-fi. And I can see people that were like, I'm a big fan of the first two movies. I just didn't like where they took us with this one because this isn't what the first two movies are. You know, it's totally different. It's a different vibe. Um, and like I said, it's very CGI. It takes place in a made-up universe of the quantum realm. Um, I know Peyton Reed said he used uh, elements and things he wanted to incorporate if he would have made a Fantastic Four movie. It's in this movie. Um, and they, they shot big, man. They shot big to do something very different for the third film in their trilogy. And I, for one, think it paid off. I saw it in IMAX on the preview night, and I really, really enjoyed it. So to wrap up my non-spoiler portion, I give this movie four out of five stars. Um, if you know me, you know most of the Marvel movies get a five star from me um, just because they're so enjoyable and they're awesome. Um, I didn't walk away from this one being like, that was incredible that I want to give it five stars. But I want to give it four because I still thought it was great and I had an awesome time with it. And I thought it was pretty awesome. So uh, I think it doesn't deserve half the hate that it gets. And I hope that this is a movie that as people get a chance to rewatch or see it on Disney Plus, that it'll help kind of level out some of the uh, the expectations out there. You know, this is, I feel like it's become the trendy thing to do all of a sudden to hate on Marvel, right? You know, Phase 4 had a ton of hate, and I feel like that's kind of just continuing into this. And it could just be burnout, it could be oversaturation, who knows? Um, but I had a really good time with it, and I definitely, for one, will probably go see it again. You know, once things settle down and I get back to town. So that, my friends, is the non-spoiler Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. For those of you that want to hear spoiler, stick around for a couple more minutes. I'm going to loosely talk. Um, but if you don't want to hear spoiler, thank you for joining. My name's Don Mega, and I appreciate you. Subscribe to the podcast. And uh, thanks for listening to the non-spoiler version. I'm going to go to spoiler now in five, four. Three, two, one. All right. Spoiler alert, right? I, and I'm not going to sit here and, and spend a lot of time. Like I said, a couple minutes because we're going to have a big spoiler review coming up. Um, but, you know, going back to the story of this one, I like what they did with Kang. I appreciated kind of the flashback of, or kind of how the movie starts, right? Like we see um, Michelle Pfeiffer dealing with being lost in the quantum realm and then coming across this beat-up, broken King the Conqueror, right? And you see the flashback later on, you know, that, you know, Janet talked a lot about, you don't want to know what happened down there. I don't want to tell you what happened down there. And, of course, when she finally does, it's like, you know, I met this guy, and I thought he was really great. And, um, you know, he had a ship that could get me home, and I helped him. And then, you know, she touches the ship when they get it reactivated, and she gets a glimpse into his past. And she sees, you know, how evil he is, that he has killed a lot of people, that he has conquered a lot of people. And um, she freaks out, and she's like, yo, I can't let you go home. And she breaks his ship again you know, causing him to be stranded in the quantum realm. And we find out that he's been exiled, right? And in the after credit scenes, it seems that uh, he was exiled by his own Kangs uh, because the first post credit scene is uh, three different kinds of Kangs talking to each other about the exiled one and then a whole council of Kangs. Where is that going to take us into the future, right, with the uh, Kang dynasty? And then there is a second post credit scene at the very end 
that is a preview into Loki season two. Uh, you see Tom Hiddleston's Loki, Owen Wilson's character, and you see a Kang the Conqueror uh, way back in the 1800s. And this was a character that was spoken about, this version of Kang, in uh, Jonathan Major's first role as Kang in the season one of Loki. So if you go back and watch his speech from the finale, you see how he talks about this this character in this version of Kang. So it sounds like he's going to be playing a bigger role um, in this film. And uh, or in Loki season two, so I think we're going to be getting a lot of Jonathan Majors <laughs> over the course of uh, the next couple years as we lead to Avengers. Um, with Cassie Lang, um, like I said, she and I said in the non-spoiler part, she doesn't have a lot to do, but she's in it a lot, right? And it's funny um, because she doesn't have a lot to do. Like she spends most of the movie yelling "Dad" and just kind of running around, "Dad." And running around. And obviously she's trying to get into her own. She does end up having her own suit. Um, and she's got the exact same powers as Ant-Man, right? So do I need his daughter being an Ant-Man mini? Not really, you know? Um, but I know it was kind of tricky. It's always tricky when an actor steps into a role that wasn't theirs originally. And I thought she did pretty well for all things considered, right? I know a lot of people think, you know, it's messed up that they didn't bring the girl back from Endgame. But they weren't really expecting to do an expanded role with Cassie when they did Endgame. And I think, um, you know, when they looked forward to saying, hey, we want to do something kind of bigger and look for this character in the future, that they wanted to go with a more established actress. Um, But again, I thought everybody did an amazing job. Um, I wish that more of this movie would have taken place on Earth. I wish that maybe we could have seen Kang escape and get to Earth and basically almost like win this movie that could have been looming over other projects as we go to the Kang Dynasty. The way this movie ends with Kang kind of getting sucked into the machine, it's like, so is he the version that's going to come back and kick some ass in in the future films? Or was that just one variant and we're going to get another King to Conquer, a totally different version that's not in the quantum realm uh, in the next film? Uh, I had heard that the original movie called for Scott and um, and Hope, either Scott and Hope or Scott and Cassie to get stuck in the quantum realm. That they would have that the movie would have ended with them being stuck, but Kang escaping, which would have been very interesting and could have led into. Uh, you know, something really cool in the future. But I think maybe they were worried about it playing out like Endgame, right? Where Scott's just trapped in the quantum realm and we get him out and then he's able to do his thing, right? So they did some reshoots and they kind of fixed it up to where uh, he got out and there's kind of this happy ending. But I like the way the ending was shot because he's thinking like, yeah, we beat Kang. And then he's like, but did we? Do we really beat him? Is he going to come back? Is he going to beat my ass? Like, I love, like, the voiceover of, like, happy one second thinking that they won to doubting himself, right? Like, this guy said he's seen the future and he kills everybody. Hopefully we prevented that and he doesn't come back and do exactly that thing. You know, I love the scene in the movie when he says, like, you know, um, you said you're an Avenger? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, are you the one with the hammer? And he was like, oh, no, that's Thor. You know, we have similar body types, but that's Thor. <laughs> um, but I like the fact that Kang has met Thor before, right? Um, that he's he's beat the Avengers. He's killed Avengers before. And um, it just really enhances my excitement for 
the Avengers movie when we get to it of how all these characters are going to come together and help fight. Um, and it's got to be multiple Kings, right? Because Scott pretty much defeated this one on his own. So when you think about him fighting the Avengers, you're like, there's going to need to be more to it. Either that or he's going to be super powered up because of his suit or whatever the case may be. I just wish we would have had some more time on Earth. Um, I do think because it was in the quantum realm the whole time, it lost a little bit of its flair um, because it is all this fake universe that I have to kind of suspend belief on. Um but I still thought the humor was there. I thought they put enough of it in there. Um, I know some people have been complaining about the story. I thought the story was fine, right? They get trapped down there. I, I just think it's kind of stupid that that Janet never really told them what happened down there. You know, she didn't tell them that there's this whole other civilization. And, you know, like, I mean, if she had been lost down there for that many years you would think that everybody would have really gotten into the gist of everything with her to be like, tell us everything, right? Um, so it just kind of felt odd that she never would have, uh, you know, told them what was what um, with all these civilizations and all these different species and everything down in this, you know, weird kind of funky quantum realm. Oh, and then let's talk about MODOK, okay? So MODOK is in this thing, and it's Corey Stoll coming back. Uh, is Darren Cross, right? So Darren Cross, of course, um, the original Yellow Jacket from the first movie. And we know he got shrunk down really bad and he went to the Quantum Realm, right? And we didn't know if we'd ever see this character again. Uh, in Loki, they kind of teased that he was there or in some universe because his helmet was in one of the worlds they went to. And we knew MODOK was in this movie and there had been a lot of rumors that it was going to be Corey Stoll. Uh, so when MODOK shows up, and the shield kind of, his mask comes off, and you see it's Darren Cross. You, I mean, the whole theater just started laughing. And I know that it was kind of done as a joke, you know, because MODOK is an odd-ass character. And I know that it, you know, MODOK in the comics is not this version. But what better way, if you're going to try to fan service and give people a MODOK in the best possible way... It was to do it. I thought I agree that this was the way to do it. You do it in a quantum realm. You do it that he got down there and he was dying, and Kang found him and turned him into the mechanized, you know, destruction robot that just kills. Um, you know, the killing machine that he became. And uh, but I loved everybody's reaction to him throughout the movie. Like Darren, you know, like when Hank saw him, and when Scott saw him, and when Hope saw him, you know, and then even the interaction between him and Cassie, where she's like, "Don't be a dick, dude," and he's like, "I don't know what else to be. I'm a dick." And she's like, "It's never too late to stop being a dick." And he's like, "You're right," you know, and kind of turns good before he dies. Um, some people hated Modoc. I thought it was really cool, and I thought it was a great addition to the movie, so just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Like I said, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm closing in on 25 minutes. Um, I didn't want to go too deep into spoilers. I just wanted to touch on a couple different little things. And like I said, keep an eye out for our big spoiler review. We'll be doing it live on YouTube. Uh, it'll happen sometime next week after I'm settled back into town and things kind of get back to normal, so uh, we will get that out. Um, but I wanted to get on here, like I said, and provide you guys a little bit of my thoughts, um, since I won't be able to do a new episode of the regular podcast till, uh, 
you know, probably Monday or Tuesday next week. So um, thank you so much for tuning in and listening with me, talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Once again, four stars out of five, or four Modox out of five. I like that as well, too. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining. Follow us on Twitter at Am I on the Air. Follow me on Twitter at DXDonMega. I am your host, Don Mega, and I hope you've enjoyed this quick bite, even though it's a longer one and we just hit 24 minutes. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our main podcast, Am I on the Air, amiontheair.com, and uh, follow along for all the great adventures. So take it easy, guys, and until next time, peace.